Welcome to the Agape in Action podcast, a podcast about genuine compassion and justice for our neighbors near and far. A relevant conversation that will challenge the way you embrace the life you were meant to live. Now, here are your hosts, Holly Flood and Robbie Jones. Well, hello and welcome to Agape in Action. I am Holly. And I'm Robbie. And it's so good to have you with us today. So, Pastor Robbie, um, we're going to jump right in today because we have a lot to talk about. (laughs) Is that okay? I'm following you, Holly. Whatever whatever you want to do, you take the lead. And I'm just here just sidekick. Well, this is something I've really been wanting to talk about. So, of course, you know, the Queen of Soul, Miss Aretha Franklin, passed away recently. And um, there's been a lot of talk about her life. And, I mean, she lived a phenomenal life, um, accomplished great things. I believe she started her career when she was fairly young. But what some people don't know about Miss Franklin is that she grew up, she was a a PK. She was a pastor's kid. She grew up in a Christian home. Her father was a pastor. And um, a lot of people, I I think, don't know that. I did not know that. Right. You shared. Yeah. So that's interesting. It is. And some people would say, so according to her dad, and you know what, actually, I'm going to read a quote from, from her dad, because I thought this was really interesting. It, it seemed as if her father almost had to, I don't want to say justify her faith, but, you know, whenever people have a gift, so let me start there right. so I can set this up. Whenever people have a gift that we know it's, you know, a God-given gift, we assume that they're supposed to use that gift for kingdom business. I'll right. put it that way. So instead of using your gift in a secular environment, you're supposed to use your gift in a, a Christian environment, you know, even on the job and in whatever ways that you can do that. The expectation is that's what you're going to do. And so with Aretha, I, I believe people didn't know about her, her Christian background. Because of, you know, songs like You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman and, you know, some of these songs that she has. Well, her father um, at some point, you know, talked about her and said, basically, she's still a gospel singer. She's still, you know, a woman of faith like that didn't leave her because she sings, you know, these not so spiritual songs. And so he, he made this, this statement about her. And this is what he said. If you want to know the truth, Aretha has never left the church. If you have the ability to feel and you have the ability to hear, you know that Aretha is still a gospel singer. So he's basically saying even woven in her music, there may be some influence from her faith in it. I haven't listened to the songs for that specifically, but perhaps, you know, perhaps there is. But I think that brings us to this question about, you know, are our gifts limited to um, the work we can do as Christians, because we know her voice was given to her from God. Right. There is no one else that sounds like Aretha in this entire world. Let me give you my viewpoint. I believe our gifts are from God, but I do not believe that we're supposed to only use it in a churchy way or, or a, you know, a gospel, like she should only be singing gospel music. You know, and this is how I, I view scripture. Um, you know, the scripture teaches us that we are um, in the world, but we're not of the world. But one of the things that God wants us to, to understand is that he gives us a gift to glorify him, but those gifts 
to really bring him glory. We need to be in the world, and we need to be out there and to be seen and to be, um, you know, let our light shine. Um, I, I teach this all the time. Light doesn't light up light. you got to be in the places of darkness. And so we don't know what happened behind the scenes with, um, you know, Ruth Franklin and, and, and her life. But, um, you know, I, I believe her father knew her, knew her heart. Um, and so, you know, go out there and, and let your light shine. But sing songs that, you know, I, I think you have to be careful about some of the lyrics and some of those kinds of things. But my goodness, um, get out of the four walls of the church and go make a difference in the world. So I applaud her. I, I, I celebrate her life. You know, it reminds me of um, a few years back, I interviewed a popular R&B artist named Shirley Murdoch. Right. So Shirley Murdoch is most known for her song, As We Lay. So you know it already doesn't sound like it's a good song. And it's basically about infidelity. Right. That's what the song is about. If you see the lyrics, it's about infidelity. And so I asked her about that. You know, how did she feel as a believer singing this song? And Basically, what she said to me was, well, number one, the song had already been done before. It had been recorded before, but she was redoing the song. And she said when she sang the lyrics, I guess she felt her own personal conviction. And so she added a line that said we should have counted up the cost, but instead we got lost. And she said she felt like she needed to add that line because she didn't want it to seem like the song was glorifying infidelity. Right. She wanted people to understand that there is a consequence sure. to infidelity. So if you're going to go down that road, just know that you're going to face a consequence. But then the, the second thing that she said that really stood out to me was she said she, she quoted the scripture that taught that said, um, that Christ needed to go through Samaria. Right. And she said, Holly, that was my story. That's been my story. I felt like I needed to go through Samaria. I needed to do secular music because that is what opens the door for me to minister to people. So she has concerts. She may have con a concert in a nightclub and it gives her a platform to reach people who otherwise will not come to church on Sunday exactly. morning may not be That's open to a conversation with you about the Lord. And she told me that there are people she actually literally in these dark places, like you just said, mm -hmm. where she had the opportunity to share her faith with them. And they wanted to know more about the Lord right. because of her. And she had an open door with them in the level of influence with them that maybe I wouldn't have if I approached them you know, at McDonald's or, you know, wherever. And so it really, when she said it, it really started to change my perspective. At the time I was working in Christian media, I had come out of secular media and I was really excited to be able to, to, you know, tell these type of stories, but I realized it didn't diminish what I did in the past, Sure. but it, you know, both things together opened the door for me to be able to reach people in different walks of life. Well, God has us to go through some things because he wants us to experience so that our our testimony, whether our, you know, he, he wants our lives to be transparent to people. You know, even the Apostle Paul, he he had a past. You know, Peter had a past, and they used those experiences to allow them to open doors to walk in to glorify Jesus. And so, I think we need to be very careful about how we judge where people, um, where they live and what they're doing, because we don't understand that God may be using them in a supernatural way that we'll never understand. 
And uh, I think we see it in, in a lot of different um, professions. Um, I'll give you an example for, for my family personally. Um, my wife has been a public school teacher for, uh, I think, going this year will be 36 years. And um, it has never crossed our mind for her to go teach at a, at a Christian high school. Never, never been a part of our conversation. Not that we're against Christian high school, but it's just been our philosophy is that we can't make a difference if we're isolating ourselves in a very um, protective environment. And so she's always walked in, in her school, and I know she starts every school year by anointing and laying her hands on every desk of every student and calls their name in prayer and, and prays over those kids. And she has testimonies about kids who misbehave and act up in other classes and and she'll walk into a parent-teacher meeting and everybody's talking about how bad this kid and you go, I don't know what kid you're talking about because this kid in my classroom is just very well behaved. And she sincerely believes is that because of the anointing that is on her life and the power of prayer to pray over those kids and to love those kids that it makes a difference. You know, we, we raised two daughters. We never thought about sending our daughters to a Christian um, high school or a Christian school or to homeschool our kids. I'm not against those, and those people that do that, bless them. We applaud you. If that's your choice, great. I never wanted to protect my kids in a way that isolate them. I always wanted to put them in a position where they had to overcome. And when you can teach your kids to overcome wherever they are, that the, the power of the gospel that leads to salvation, I believe will help every child to overcome no matter what social circumstance or what environment they're in. You know, I, I when you say that, I really think about it because I've said for a while with all the things that are happening in the school system, sure. um, I've gotten to the point where I kind of said, you know, if I had kids right now, I think I would put my kids in private school or do a, you know, part-time private school, homeschool kind of thing. Because the curriculum is, you know, is so, is, if we will, quote unquote, ungodly, and they're bringing all these things about different, you know, um, sexual identity into the curriculum, and and you want to be able to explain those things to your kids your own way. But when you say it that way, I, I guess I never thought about, you know, I'm sort of shielding them and isolating them from things that they would actually encounter and experience when they leave you know, my protection, if you will, they're going to see these things and experience them anyway. So the protection is really temporary. What I've discovered is exposure is never a bad thing in a sense. Let me, let me explain that. Is that when you begin to let your kids see things and then they have an opportunity to understand scripture. And we would teach them the word um, at home. And we would teach them a godly way at home. And, and I give credit to my wife. I give credit to grandparents who poured and prayed over our, our two daughters. But we gave them, you know, we put them in a position where they would let their light shine. And they made some great choices. We were blessed. Both of our daughters, I thought, did you know, very well in school. They had a lot of friends. They were involved in band. They were involved, you know, my youngest played um, softball. You know, they were they were involved in a lot of different things and even today I, I think about my niece who went to a public school 
but she let her light shine everywhere she went. And every, uh, whether she was on the soccer team, whether, and so I watched, I watched this environment where we're, we're trying to protect, but we are really, um, I think, hindering them for, from teaching them how to overcome the temptations and, and the tricks of the enemy that try to come against us. Let me give you one more thing, Holly, now that you share. You know, most people know that I coached college baseball for, for 10 years in Georgia and uh, recruited a lot of kids. We recruited a lot of kids from Christian high school where they were very protected. And when they came to college and they got a little bit of taste of freedom, those kids went wild. And I was getting them out of trouble. I was getting them. You know, they, they, they were, you know, never been tempted by alcohol before. Man, they got to go. And, and so now they're involved in that. And so it, it kind of demonstrated to me, you know, if you guys had been in a position where you, you know, had to make a choice all along the way instead of waiting till you know, you're 18, 19, 20 years old, sometimes, you know what, they feel like they haven't experienced the world so now they're going to go experience the world. So let me, I want to reiterate what you said a few minutes ago so we don't get nasty emails and messages. Yeah. For those parents who've decided that the path they want to take is to homeschool or put their kids in private Christian school, we're not knocking you. We're not That's saying you've made a mistake or anything like that. What we're saying is if your children, because I went to public school, right. if your children are in public school, they don't have any less of an opportunity to to flourish and to thrive and to walk out their faith in whatever area right. that they're in that yes they may face some greater temptations at that point in life but that even in that they'll be equipped and prepared so I that think it, it's based on every you know every family is different every child is different and you have to weigh your situation i'm just sharing that you know, we're, we're talking about people who are using their gifts um, in, in the secular world. Well, I really believe God um, opens doors for people to go make a difference and puts us in platforms. Think about all of the professional athletes mm -hmm. who are Christians. Well, man, if they were, you know, there's no, I'm glad there's no Christian NFL, you know, I'm, or a Christian NBA. Is that it's just the NBA. Um, go let your light shine. You know, there's the NFL. Go let your Nick Foles last year, uh, the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles that won the Super Bowl. Man, God put him out there, and he started the year as a backup quarterback. And everybody thought when Wentz went down, the starting quarterback for the Eagles went down, that the Philadelphia Eagles season was over. God was just getting ready to show off. Yeah. And here's a man who led his team to beating one of the dynasties of all time, the New England Patriots, and then all of a sudden, he's giving glory to Jesus. And you know what? What an amazing um, opportunity to let your voice be heard. Yeah, you know, um, Nick is definitely a great example. Um, yeah. One thing he said after the Super Bowl, because obviously he was the, the MVP, he said, I wouldn't be here without Jesus in my life. Right. And sometimes God gives you the platform just for that moment exactly. so that people can see. And like you said, there are many athletes who 
have professed their faith and or openly, you know, we see them point the finger up in the, to the sky when they score a touchdown or, you know, have a great, you know, move or whatever they do on the field. When they have that moment, they'll do that. And that's their way of, of acknowledging, sure. you know, what is because of God that I was I do what I do. Um, now, one area we know where people think there is no God is in Hollywood. Yeah. So, you know, in Hollywood, there are Christians. There are. There are many Christians. There's one person that comes to mind, Devon Franklin. Devon Franklin is a um, producer, has worked in Hollywood for many years. Um, he married Megan Good, who's an actress, and they have a strong, solid, you know, Christian loving relationship. Um, he's produced a couple of Christian films. He has a couple of Christian books. You know, he's done it, but he still produces regular films. Yeah. And most of his career was, you know, self um, secular production. So he, I think his book, what the first, one of the first books was called Produced by Faith. And that's what he's saying. His whole life and story was produced by his faith, but he did produce films that, that weren't just about, about the Lord, but that was his testimony. So he's an example. And I think about Chris Pratt, who from Jurassic Park. Great story. And he's been in the news um, recently because he had won a um, Teen Choice Award. And I want to read what he said in his acceptance speech, because we see, you know, he had a platform and an opportunity to say whatever was on his heart in that moment. And so he said, I want to thank God. I always do that when I'm up on a big platform in front of a bunch of young faces. I say, I love God. That's my thing. I love him. And you should, too. And then he goes on to say, God is real. God loves you. God wants the best for you. Believe that. I do. And, you know, he said some more things to to basically encourage the youth. But really, he was adamant about his faith. He was bold. Good word. He was bold about his faith. And even though Jurassic Park is not a Christian film, it's really a universal film. I mean, whether you whatever you believe Sure. Jurassic Park is a bit of a mainstay. We've been seeing those films for years, but he's doing his job with excellence, which is number one. Important. Yeah, it's very important as believers, regardless of where we work, that that we operate in excellence. But he's doing it so much so that he's winning all of these awards, which puts him up on this platform. And he makes sure that he's saying, you know, I love God and God loves you. And so if he were just on, like you said, the Christian awards, he wouldn't be in front of those young people, let's say, for the Teen Choice Awards. And they cheered, by the way, when he talked about God. But he wouldn't be in front of possibly non-believing children who some may have not even been exposed to to the word of God in their homes. He wouldn't have that opportunity, perhaps, to share his faith with them on the level. I think it's important. To understand the platform. Let, let me throw kind of a, a biblical pr- perspective to this, Holly, is that Jesus, when he went to choose his 12 disciples, never went inside the temple to recruit any disciple. Every one of his disciples, he chose fishermen, you know, he chose a tax collector, who at that time was considered the scum of the earth, you know, we think about the conversion of the Apostle Paul, who is persecuting the Christians. Look who he chose. And he put them in a platform that would give them opportunity to share the gospel wherever they went. And 
outside of the temple, outside of the church building. And uh, maybe maybe that's what the church needs to learn today is that you know, we got to get outside of this mindset that everything has to happen and center around the church and rather, and let's go be the church in the world. Let's live among our neighbors. Let's love them. Let our light shine. Um, use the talents and the gifts that God has given to us to glorify him. And I believe if we can do that, we can we can make a huge impact in those in the world. But I think for so long what's happened is we've criticized people because they've gone and used their gifts and maybe they make some money, maybe they get some fame, and they feel like, well, you know what, you really can't serve God in that um, arena. Well, I, I just call that a lie. I don't believe that. Um, you know, one of the, the things... And I love the story you said about the, the woman that you interviewed. She had to go through a Samaria. You know, I watched a lot of my college baseball players. When they were playing for me and they were, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, you'd have thought, man, they will never. They're, they're not hearing me when I give my testimony, when I share the Word of God. But now that they have kids of their own, I'm watching how they're serving God. And one of, one of my former players just put a, a powerful video. Um, he actually owns a skating rink, and they do after-school care, and they they love on those kids and teach those kids about Jesus. And the skating rink—it's nothing about church, but that's his heart. He is sharing his heart at the platform that God has given to him. And so, I just encourage those that are listening to us today: is that when God opens a door, God gives you a platform. Don't run from it. Don't run from it. Just be the light. Be the light that God has called you to be, no matter where you are, no matter what platform, whether it's a classroom at a school, whether it's you know an executive position at a bank, it doesn't matter. Let your light shine. And I'll just add this. There are no limits with God. That's exactly right. So if we, you know, I was just thinking, if we think that he can only use us a specific way, we're putting limitations on him. That's a good point. And he has all power in his hands and every opportunity he can create opportunity and open doors that we didn't imagine. And so we have to trust him in that. Someone may be listening and saying, well, sure. I mean, there are things, yes, that we say as believers, we won't, you know, certain, you know, fields we won't go into. We're not going to do certain types of videos and be in certain magazines and things like that. But like you said, God has a way of opening up doors. And if we dare say no, because it doesn't look the way we think it should look, we will remove ourselves out of position to be wherever he wants to take us because every I, the way I see it, every door is connected to another door. It's always another door behind it. That's and good. I personally want to make sure I'm in position to do whatever it is that he's created me and called me to do. Even if that calling doesn't mean that I'm going to be uh, just in a Christian environment. Right. There is room for that. And I'm, like I said, I do that and I've done that and I love it. But if God says, um, okay, you do this, but in addition to that, I want you to do this over here, but it's not necessarily just, you know, it's not going to be the, the typical environment, then I need to go and I need to take advantage of that. I had to do that when I worked in secular television. So I'm not, you know, it's not a new thing for me, but now I think I'm wiser. God has trained me better and I trust him more than I trust, trust myself. Let me give you one more example. This just came to my mind. Um, 
I know it's hard to believe, but this is not the only podcast in the world. Um, <laughs> my uh, my son-in-law, who um, uh, married to my oldest daughter, they live in Georgia. He's a big Atlanta Brave fan. Um, I am too, and they're in first place. I know you're a football person, obviously. <laughs> baseball's not important to you, but it's very important. I'm trying to get you saved. Um, but they do they do a podcast um, on the Atlanta Braves. It's called Dr. Nation. It's it's really phenomenal. But I've noticed, um, and, and they they do some crazy things, and they've got some different perspectives. But you know, one of the things that he did in, in some of his podcasts and and um, I haven't listened to every one, but I know in some of that I listened to, is that he would pause in the middle and give um, some reflection on what it meant to be um, a godly husband, um, what it meant to be a, a godly father, to have a perspective. He was using a platform that a lot of people would never walk in the doors of the church, but he was using a platform of, of a podcast to speak truth into people's lives. And that is, that's the message of the church. I hope that's the message that's getting across today on this episode of our podcast, is that whatever door, whatever platform God gives to you, you don't have to be in Hollywood, you don't have to be, you know, in an NFL stadium, but whatever platform that God gives you, just walk in and let your light shine love on people and use your gifts and your talent to glorify God. And, um, and don't worry about what other people, especially with the church kind of thinks of you. Sometimes you're going to be criticized. Um, the church has been guilty of that, is that we've put people down. But um, I think we're living in a day that people celebrate the, uh, the opportunities that God has given to people. So just to sum it back up, like you just said, Wherever you are, let your light shine. Absolutely. Let your light shine. Well, that's all the time that we have today. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being with us. You guys have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you for being a part of the Agape in Action podcast today. Don't forget to subscribe and leave Holly and Robbie a review. Find out more about the Agape in Action podcast, their story, and featured guests on Twitter at Agape in Action 18 or by emailing them at agapeinaction18 at gmail.com.